and welcome to the third and sadly final episode in our short podcast series Talking Over with Support in Mind Scotland. You're Ian Mitchell. And you're Nicole Bell. That's right. And this is our third episode which is Looking Closer, Visual Arts Relationship with Mental Health. Now this podcast is going to take a bit of a different format this time because we're kind of looking to, to raise the profile both of the venues we visited that were housing the the, um, the visual art, but also the various projects, groups and um, support groups who were involved in putting that art together and and also displaying it. So it's going to be a little bit of a different one, a little bit less of us talking and a little bit more of us talking to yeah. other people. And if you've been listening to all these podcasts, you'll be sick of the sound of our voices. So, I mean, well done. Well done. First of all, well for done. persevering, but, making it through this yeah. far. Um, and welcome to a break a little bit from our voices. However, not quite yet, because we're going to sort of talk about the overarching themes that I think tied all the visual art that we saw together. So first I think we should cover where we went and what we saw. So first um, there was our own service, the Stafford Centre, which is on Broughton Street in Edinburgh. And we'll let the Stafford Centre tell its own story. We won't tell you too much about that. But there was also... We travelled far and wide. We went all the way up to Inverness, in fact, to go and see what was taking place at the bike shed. And we were back in Edinburgh as well to see what was happening at Summerhall, which is a fabulous arts venue in Edinburgh, which houses art all year round. So what do you think tied all this visual art together? Because there were, I think, some, some... Things that we saw repeated in all the different places, which were quite striking, actually. Yeah, there was a a reoccurring theme of uh, escaping, Mm -hmm. you know, escaping Mm -hmm. in some ways the prison that mental illness can become for people. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking specifically in Inverness at the bike shed, Mm -hmm. the one of the phoenix. Yes. In the cage. Yes. Yeah. By Rebecca. By Rebecca. What a memory! What a memory! Thank you. Brilliant. Um, what, what, we'll, what we'll do? This is again. We've said it's been. A, it's going to be a bit of a, a different podcast. It's a visual podcast, so we're going to let you see some of the art we see. Yeah. So or, if you can, do watch us on YouTube. Do watch us on YouTube, which yeah. is probably the best way to watch this visual best podcast, yeah. because our powers of description are not strong enough <laughs> to do to do the art justice. But there were also, I think, the art was also used to communicate maybe feelings or experiences that people couldn't quite put into words. I think what was striking was in each place there was a style of charcoal drawing Mm -hmm. that I saw in each place. Now, I don't know if we've got a photo of this. I'm not sure that we do. But I think people will be familiar with this format when when I talk about it. And it's kind of the outline of a person and then a shadow of that person kind of creeping up and looming over them or somehow escaping away from them. And it kind of looks like a dark spirit almost. It's people trying to, to represent maybe the the moments of darkness in themselves or the, 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 the dark sides of themselves. Yeah, um, Ian's just shown me a picture of, um, of one of these that, that we saw. And I think these are quite striking because they did come up time and time again. And this must yeah. be how people who are experiencing... I would I would say that's depression myself. 
What yeah. would you say? I mean, I guess you can. I guess that's Could be all manner of things. All manner of things, yeah. That that just it's always behind you or yeah. in, imposing upon your life in some way that in every piece of art it seems inescapable. Definitely, I'd say also there was there was a lot across across all the venues where we saw like a representation of mental illness with the message this isn't me yes what you think of mental illness that's you know i am not the label no i am more than what my diagnosis is yeah i think another thing we saw that kind of relates to that was around medication and people's relationship with medication and how that maybe ties into the this is not me and i'm more than my label my diagnosis and the medication that I'm on and where that sense of self comes in and we'll display a really interesting one um I can't, how would you describe this this piece of art it's like a layered it's like a two layered picture, picture. where the first layer is all medication mm-hmm. picture of magic medication mm-hmm. and it's being ripped away it's being torn back to reveal the person or and the coloured yeah. underneath which is text which yeah. says um, myself I think that's that's really interesting it was one of the pieces of art I found quite striking yeah. quite striking and clever in the way that it was done another another thing that I think came back time and time again and I think basically the art's dealing with all the all the key bits in the tail when you're experiencing mental illness the, the the peaks and the troughs and so we we saw art that dealt very much with what people were like in a time of crisis as well as people exploring what recovery looked like for them yes and what their story looked like during before and after and i think visual arts especially good at allowing you to to see that yeah there's also a few collaborative efforts. Yes, yeah. And it, I think it's it's really heartening um, to see that in the face of adversity or illness, you know, people coming together, creating things together, doing therapeutic stuff, like in this case, felting. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to a couple of people from Serenity and Blazing Needles. Blazing Needles. The Blazing yes. Needles Knitting Group, <laughs> who, who t- told me all about their felting project and... Uh, the piece that he created for the Big Shed mm-hmm. exhibition. Um, yeah, it was wonderful. Something like that, that's a, a collaborative project, really helps to bring people together and yeah. give people that sense of common context that sometimes we're, we're missing and sometimes you you just need that to start a conversation. I often find, this a really crude example, but isn't it easier to make conversation with somebody that's walking a dog because you can talk about their dog mm. than it is to make conversation with anybody off the street or isn't it easier to make conversation when we're talking about the weather because we're particularly good at that in Scotland but it gives us that common context and I think art provides that in the first instance but then not just that common context but you've also got that common goal that you're working towards when you're working on a collaborative project and it probably affords you the opportunity to get a little bit deeper in the conversation because you're you're taking part in an expressive pursuit together Absolutely. The great thing about these art projects that that provide people with common purpose taking taking place as part of the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival as well is that it helps to raise the profile of the issue of mental health through exploring it in, in the visual art form. But also, I think, 
it helps to give credit where credit's due to all these talented individuals across the country who are engaging in these services to help themselves, but to help them help others too mm. by making that art that tells a bit of their story where anybody who looks at it can go, actually, I, I get that. That strikes a chord with me. Mm. And also just to say the art's fantastic and why shouldn't we be sharing stuff that people maybe feel is just a project for them to help them maybe feel a bit better or work through something but there's a lot of value for the people who are viewing it too in terms of what that says or means for them as well and it's important for that to be recognised and I think this festival in particular is really good at providing that platform which is so so thoroughly deserved. So the first thing I think we'll move on to is one of our own services which hosted the aptly named Stafford Centre exhibition um, as part of the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival. And I joined our service manager there, the lovely Michelle Mason, who I discussed what the Stafford Centre does and all the things it has to offer, as well as the arts exhibition that they hosted there and the benefits that they've seen from their creative group, which is an arts project that meets every week to engage the, the service users in artistic pursuits. And it was the the outcomes of that that art group that resulted in the yeah. exhibition being hosted. And I must say, a very talented art group. If you ever visit the Stafford Centre any time of year, all the art you see going up staircases is all created by the service users there. And there um, are some breathtaking pieces. It is, yeah. And when, some really impressive yeah, Whenever work. you're showing someone around or whatever, it's always commented on you know, how, how nice the art is. And the exhibition itself was fantastic. So without any further ado, we'll let our service manager, Michelle, tell you a little bit about the Stafford Centre and what they do, what they have to offer and how it relates to the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival. So, can you tell us a little bit about what the Stafford Centre has to offer? Hi Nicole, yeah I can. Um, We try and be a one-stop shop for people who have mental health issues and that can be anything from what some people might call mild and moderate depression or anxiety, right up to people with severe and enduring mental health issues and diagnosis of, say, schizophrenia and bipolar. So we're, we are an open-door service, so people can turn up, come in, get some support, simple as that, and be listened to, be valued, be cared for, um, and have a voice in what services we provide here in the centre as well. I think the ma- one of the major things that we do, which day services used to be given a bit of stick about is that um, we offer people a chance to come in and and get some food, Mm -hmm. get some respite while they're having some food. And day services of old, it used to be everybody thought everybody just sat around and drunk tea and didn't really (laughs) achieve anything. But as we know, actually sitting down and, and having a bite to eat with people who care for you, understand issues that you're going through, your peers. Having that sense of community. Yes, I think that's really important, especially for the number of clients that we work who are really isolated. Most of the people that we support are single um, Mm -hmm. and have no family members, or if they do, it can be quite a strained relationship because of the mental health issues. So being able to come in and not be judged, I think, is one of the biggest things. We have people who use the service who are maybe very unwell so they might be talking to themselves or they might not be caring for themselves particularly well Um, and nobody gets judged for any of those things and some people will say well they could do people could do that kind of thing at Starbucks well I doubt it really would happen because I think some people would be asked to leave Mm -hmm. some people wouldn't even make it in the front door because it would be too challenging a 
an environment for them to even contemplate going into. Think about, I'm not a Starbucks user, but I believe you've got to give them your name to get a coffee. A number of the people that we support would really struggle about having that kind of level of conversation with somebody straight away. Mm. So being able to come in and feel safe, feel a sense of community, um, and have a purpose as well. We're open Monday to Friday, and a great deal of people that we support will be with us three, four or five days a week. Others won't. Others will pop in if and when they require the support, whether that be practical support or emotional support. But a number of people that we support are in very, very regularly because it gives people a purpose to get up, to get washed, to get dressed, to come out, to meet people, to take part. Can you tell us a little bit about the groups and activities that are on offer here as well? Yes, yeah, so all of our groups and activities um, are free. Well, in the main, I suppose that's maybe a, a kind of blanket statement, but we don't. We try not to charge people for anything because we see that as a, as a barrier to engagement. And all of our groups and activities are either being designed by the people that use services. So people come in and they say, I'm struggling at home because I can't budget, then we'll run a money advice course. People come in and say, I can't cook in the house because I I'm just feel too afraid. We'll run a cooking course. We're about to run a computer course now because so many people tell us that everything, as we all know, so much of your daily life now is dealt with by using a PC. Um, and people have never had the, the, never had the cash to go out and buy any of these fancy mm. laptops and everything anyway, or smartphones or tablets. Um, or even going to the library to do things like that. There's not actually somebody facilitating it, so you've got to kind of learn as you go. So get, getting back to your question, all of the services that we provide are in the main designed by the people that use our service. Um, some have been very organic, like our creative group, where it started as more of a kind of focus of somebody who had experience as being an artist, sharing their skills with people that wanted to learn how to do art. Um, and what we actually discovered was that that really didn't necessarily work. That was quite classroom orientated mm -hmm. and quite let me tell you how to do something, even though the nature of the person wasn't like that, but it, it kind of had that feel to it. And actually, the vast majority of people that take part in our creative group are far more creative than any of us <laughs> that ever facilitate the group. It's just about allowing people that space to do what they want to do. The other thing, of course, was the art group used to just be an art group. And now we're really clear that actually people be, can be creative in very many different ways. I would still say that the majority of people 75% are probably still putting something on paper or canvas. But we do have a number of people who are doing glass painting, who are doing sculpting and modelling, um, who are interested in looking at things like um, crocheting and knitting, how they can make that seem, for them, they find it creative, but how to open that door to more people who will see it as a creative pastime or see what they create as being creative rather than just functionary. Um, so yes, and I think it's very true about all of our groups. I think about the music group, it's going on just now, so if you hear any bings and bashes and bombs, <laughs> that's what it is, it's our music group. But um, From the music group has started two bands, influenced the radio station in a great deal of ways, um, 
influenced even things like um, people being able to feel as though they could take part in the mad jam that happens on a monthly basis in Edinburgh. Um, so even something small as having a space where there are two guitars, when, when I first started here with two acoustic guitars, an electric guitar and a bass, from something like that has grown wonderful, wonderful projects. And have you seen a difference in how people are and their sense of well-being as they engage with the art? Do you think that? Oh that yes, I, would think, I think that could be said for all of our creative groups, so to speak. It depends what you want to call a creative group. I think cooking's quite creative <laughs> and I certainly see the improvement in people's mental health when they take part in the cooking group and they walk out the door with something physical at the end of it. You know, they've, they've made their lunch and that's a bit like the creative space group as well because they maybe don't end up with something at the end of one group, let's let's face it, because or one session, should I say. Um, but people... People are often working through how they're feeling. They're often working through something that is really important to them or something that makes them really sad, maybe trying to understand their feelings. Or sometimes it's the only time that somebody will maybe enjoy themselves, will maybe have fun. Mm. And we all forget actually having fun is really, really important. Um, there's a picture hanging on the wall that somebody donated to the project that actually was painted here in, in the creative art space and it's out of a lighthouse and some rocks and some choppy seas and they asked that the picture never be sold or, or donated to um, to another uh, institution um, because they wanted their story to be reflected not so much for staff to feel how wonderful it was that we enabled this man to move forward because he felt that we were his lighthouse that had saved him going on on the rocks but how important it was for him that we told that story to new people that were using the service mm. um, and to other people that might benefit from hearing that story as well, but espe especially new people. And I make a point of when new people join the service and if it's myself that's showing them round or n a number of our peers that are showing them round, we make a point of pointing that picture out to them because um, for an awful lot of people coming, using the Stafford Centre, using the groups, using the facilities, taking part in the support that's available, both professional and peer, will stop an awful lot of people going on the rocks. That's a beautiful, beautiful story, actually. It's isn't it? very moving, isn't it? Very positive, very powerful. The final question I'll ask mm -hmm. is just about the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival in general, mm. because you hosted a little exhibition. Yes, we did. Um, which showcased some of the work that's been done in your own creative group. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you wanted to tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, we've been associated with SMAF now for about five years. So we've done five exhibitions during SMAF and some of our artwork is also up at Summer Hall. Mm -hmm. And we actually had an exhibition, full exhibition up at Summer Hall about three years ago. And we've also been used as a venue for ourselves during SMAF, but for other organisations. So Bipolar Scotland have used us during SMAF, as have Volunteer Edinburgh. Um, the Veterans Scotland have used us as well. So it's a, a great association of which we're really positive and proud to be a part of. I think it's a really powerful thing using art to break down barriers and allow people to express mental health, but also for people to maybe understand a little bit better. Um, our exhibition here this year is fantastic, as always. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things that we've benefited from this year, it has to be said, though, is we have a new sessional member of staff who I would like to give a wee shout-out to, 
uh, Hannah Riley, um, who co-facilitates the group with our um, creative designer, Hannah Mann. But Hannah Riley comes from an art background. She's actually an art therapist, and she ex exhibits her own work. So she, this year, um, was able to help us she did it all herself, really, but help us uh, hang the work uh, in such a beautiful way um, uh, that it just made it so accessible for people. It made it accessible for us as well because people don't realise that actually if you want to encourage as many people as possible to take part in whatever group you're using, uh, any, whatever medium you're using and whatever group they're taking part in, it actually costs some money to do that. And when people have finished doing their artwork, we want to be able to put it in a frame but that's very expensive to do, so uh, and we couldn't afford to do all of it this year in, in frames. So um, Hannah Riley um, used little bulldog clips, but it made some of the artwork so accessible because people maybe felt that it wasn't good enough to go into frames, which I would disagree with. But however, <laughs> but then modesty. being able to, modesty exactly, but then being able to hang it on bulldogs just made it seem accessible for the artists. It felt that it felt for them that it wasn't as showy maybe as mm -hmm. some other people's arts. Um, so yes, math is a wonderful thing. Um, the group actually, the creative space group that did all the artwork for our art exhibition actually went to um, Summer Hall last week and had a thrilling time as well and we're really pleased at the work that they saw. So long may our continuation with SMAF go on. Thank you very much for your time today, Michelle. Thanks, Nicole. We then journeyed up to the Highlands, beautiful Highlands, with our colleague Laura Gulliver. Who you might remember from our very first podcast. She joined us for the discussion on sexism and mental health. And she kindly drove us up in her affectionately referred to tin can. Tin can, yes. And our first protocol was the bike shed in Inverness where we were met by Catherine McNeil who is the development manager at Arts in Merkinch, which a bike shed is part of. So Catherine told us a little bit about what we do and how they've been involved in this year's festival. I'm Catherine McNeil, I'm the Development Manager with Arts in Merkinch, which is a community-led arts provision in the Merkinch area of Inverness. We've been involved with the Mental Health Festival for quite a number of years um, and are on a planning group. We're one of the members who help plan the event for Highland um, each year. We've got a lot of groups run here at the Bike Shed. We've got our knitting group, Blazing Needles. We've got craft, the crafting crowd. We've got three drama groups. We've, we have music events. We do a lot of spoken word type events. Um, and wherever possible, our priority is about ensuring that people are leading, that the community are making the decisions on things and, then, and they're leading on the activity that we do. So that's particularly pertinent for the Mental Health Festival where we're asking our art classes to contribute work, we're asking our crafting groups to make things that might be part of it, we sometimes do little film projects that might become part of the festival. Um, so and, the, and this year, and for the last two years, we've hosted an opening event for um, the Highland part of the Mental Health Festival, and that's all involved a big art exhibition as well as um, some event, some live performance happening on the day. So that happens here in the bike shed in Merkinch. This year, we've been having lots of work done on our building, which has slowed things down and meant we haven't been able to open to the public as much as we'd like. So we've decided to continue the art exhibition, which should have run off through October, right through November and into early December. So we'll be open Mondays and Tuesdays over the month of November um, between the hours of 12 and 4 o'clock. So it would be great to see some people coming along and see some of the wonderful art that's being produced up here in the Highlands. From there I was joined by Christine Fletcher, 
the development worker with HUG, who are part of Spirit Advocacy and People First Highland, and John Gallen, who is a member of People First Highland and who has a one-man exhibition at Inverness Museum and Art Gallery. And we'll be hearing about that as well. So People First Highland is a collective advocacy organisation. And who is it for? It's for people with learning disabilities. So uh, we cover the Highlands um, and my job really is to work with, uh, with people with learning disabilities to identify the issues that are important to them and then help them find how to move things forward and maybe improve things. So we work a lot with statutory services trying to make sure that services are doing what, what people want. Yeah. Excellent. And we do that in all sorts of ways, don't we, John? Yes, we do. Yes. And can you, t- can you tell me a, a little bit about your involvement in this year's uh, Scottish Mental Health and Arts Festival? Um, well, d- d- part, part of Learn Disability Week, um, I'm so passionate about photography. So I wanted... It was Christi- Christine's idea who would take photographs of people with disabilities and she choose me. <laughs> so um, so I um, went a lot to like voluntary placements where my friends work and, and I went to a Scottish government building to see somebody. Um, I've uh, been to a bakery because somebody works in a bakery for a paid mm-hmm. job as well. Um, I've been to um, a, a college with people learning disabilities, so because they live in supportive housing, and I went to people's houses because some people are couples and they're in relationships. So, um, so we've done we've done different sections of the of of the of the exhibition. So, and this is to look the claims of people with learned disabilities can people can do in life now before um, lock hospital because there was a hospital called Queer Fadric uh, and it it was just not good for people with disabilities they couldn't do very much. Shall I give a bit of background? Yeah, that would be good. Okay. Yeah. So, so this year um, it tied in very well because this year is People First Highlands' twentieth anniversary. And as part of our celebrations, I thought it would be good to look at how far people have come over those 20 years. So the idea was for a photographic exhibition showing people with learning disabilities getting on with daily life, whether it's at work, at home, leisure activities, a bit like Mars Bar, really, work, rest and play. So that's showing my age, isn't it? Um, so John, being a passionate photographer, as he said, seemed to be the ideal choice because it made sense to have those photographs of people with learning disabilities taken by somebody with a learning disability. And we got you a bit of support and you improved greatly. Your skills really, really improved, didn't they? You did all yeah. the editing and things yourself as well yes, as taking I did. photographs. Yeah. And we ended up with 19 photographs plus one of John, which he didn't take himself. <laughs> And, and so that's part of our exhibition, which is travelling around the Highlands to, to show how far people have come. But, of course, it also shows how people have reclaimed their lives and their place in society, where, as, as John says, uh, in past years, many people lived in, in hospitals, long-stay hospitals, which weren't really homes at all. It was just an institution. Yeah, excellent. It, do you find your photography and 
art in general starts conversations about people with learning disabilities, people with mental health issues. Yeah, it does because it's shown it's shown it's shown the the image of what people are doing. Yeah. And it's nice to have a bit of writing as well. Yeah. What you no know, demonstration it is. There's some very powerful photographs, aren't there, John? I think the most powerful for me is the one you took, um, I'm not going to say the names, but over the shoulders of someone. Remember what they were doing? Um, oh, yeah, somebody had a baby photograph, um, photograph of a baby. It was the scan, wasn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, it was the baby so scan. A, this is a couple with learning disabilities looking at the first photograph of their, of their son, which was yeah. actually the scan. So, and it's, it's very powerful, really. It was. And I think it just... Um, it, yeah, it, it challenges people's perceptions of, of what the lives of people with learning disabilities are, are like, and, and of course people with mental health problems as well. Having heard about the Our Lives People First Highland photo exhibition, Ian then joined both John and Christine at the exhibition itself, which was at Inverness Museum, an art gallery. Next, we'll hear from them on site at the exhibition to hear a little more about it. Okay. Um, well... In these different sections. Yeah. So, um, for example, somebody working in the Scottish Government building, they're doing administration on a computer and answering the telephone. Um, some, uh, somebody doing housework, uh, hoovering, somebody doing dishes, um, somebody getting a drink from the bar in the pub. Mm-hmm. That, that used to be quite a problem, didn't it, John? Yeah. That, that people felt that they didn't have that sort of social life where they could just go into a bar and, um, with their friends and have a drink. And that was a big problem for a lot of people, first well, members, wasn't it? That it was always with support workers. And, and they didn't... And that, that was false. It was a false yes, way of life. Yes, it was. Um, so we've done quite a lot of work to find places where people can go in and feel safe. And we work along with the publican and, uh, and the locals so that people can go in and be part of that crowd... Uh, just the same as everybody else, which is really important. So again, reclaiming their place really in society. I, I love this one. My cat biscuit. The cat. <laughs> Eating a cat biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. So can I ask um, what, why you decided black and white? Because black and white stands out in a picture and a, a coloured picture is okay but it's not the same as black and, black and white. It just stands out really good. It looks fantastic, doesn't it? Yeah. As, a, as a collection. As a collection, yeah. Yeah, I've just I've just discovered this on Instagram myself. I'm starting to do more black and white ones, and I don't know why. It's, I'm starting to fancy myself as a bit of a photographer. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm terrible. I don't know what I'm doing, but you do. This is great. I this think it just looks great. really classy, especially with the you know the black frames and things. It just makes a very classy looking exhibition. So. And it's showing people at different stages yeah. of development, I suppose. Yes, somebody yeah. volunteering at SSPCA. Um, yeah, somebody does uh, uh, prepare croissants at a bakery. I think um, some, some of these jobs are paid and some yeah, are voluntary. Um, yeah. so, um, and it's, there's a series here of three people cooking. Uh, you know, some people are, can just about manage a microwave. Mm-hmm. Some people can manage an oven, but mm-hmm. it's, and it's frozen stuff. And, and then we've got people that have developed to the point where they can make their own fresh you know, food from fresh, which is yeah. I suppose 
what I'm taking from this is never assume somebody can't do something because mm -hmm. what you're seeing is they can. They can. They can volunteer, they can cook, they can work. They can order a drink at a bar. Yeah. They can, they can, get they can look after they an can animal. Married. They can ride that bike. They can have a child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Fantastic so, stuff. So, as I say, it's really pretty mundane, everyday stuff for, for most people. But for a lot of people learning disabilities, um, some people would look at, at these pictures and, and, and think that maybe they couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. you know, and I, we quite yeah. like pushing the boundaries a bit, don't we, John? Yes. Breaking down the barriers. And so, yeah, there's a mix of different uh, you know, sections. So, somebody doing a voluntary placement in a, a charity shop, um, somebody playing snooker. So, and, and some people didn't want to be recognisable, did no, they? No, they didn't. So, somebody could, you know, could be just have their hands yeah. and. Um, and if they want, they could have their face in it. So it was entirely up mm. to them what they wanted to do, whatever they were comfortable with. Mm. So we're very proud to get it in here. I think it's yeah, it's beautifully presented. It is. It's and, beautiful and placed because everyone who comes in, uh, yes. even, even if you're just dropping a parcel off, mm -hmm. you can see, see this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's the longest space that we've had for this for the exhibition. Yeah. So we got four weeks. We've got we? four weeks. Yeah. And this is the final week this week, so yeah. And yes. Are these so for sale, or are these just? Well, these aren't. But I mean, I suppose we could do copies if people wanted to right. buy them. Yeah. Um, Got you. No, these 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 are, are to just keep as a collection yeah, yeah. because we want to say to tour them around the rest of Ireland mm -hmm. and um, and and down at Holyrood. Yeah. Either as an exhibition or for, as part of an event. We just wait. To hear whether what date we've got. Or. Yeah, that'd be good. I then had the pleasure of speaking to two lovely ladies who are part of the Blazing Needles activity group, a very friendly textile group for anyone who enjoys things like knitting, crocheting, stitching, embroidery, and felting. And they talked to me about what that group means to them, how it helps them, and also about what they've been doing for the exhibition. It's actually coming to a group it's for BPD. Borderline personality, and there's been a great stigma mm -hmm. against mental health, but particularly about BPD uh, and the great work that they're doing. That they're recognising uh, it's not just in women; it's in mm -hmm. men as well. But we've got an all-women group, um, and it's it's just people getting together and not feeling. The old one out. We're all in the same boat, uh, so to say. But it's just getting together, having a natter. If we've had a bad week, we can tell them. If we don't want to tell them anything, we don't have to. It's just about being together and knowing that we're not alone. And expressing yourself. It, yeah. It, well, I, I do a lot of self-expression with my crochet and my knitting and. Uh, I do dabble a bit in drawing as well and that but yeah it's, it's good fun to actually go somewhere that you don't feel oh there she's going in there because she's got BPD yeah I don't have to feel that and and it's quite surprising actually how common having BPD mm. is so I go for the support because some days are bad some days are good and I know that I can just 
tell them what's happened and then that's out the way. Yeah. I don't have to then talk about it and that. So, yeah. So that's my experience of going to Serenity. It's just meeting up with friends, putting the world to rights some weeks and just enjoying the company. And you're acting as a support for everyone else. We're, we're all supporting yeah. each other and stuff as yeah. well, yes. Excellent. Yeah, we've got a lot of that. We're very good. They've noticed when I get really quiet or I say that I've, because we're online as well, but it's separate, and I'll say, oh, I've been down to the point today and it's actually me going down to chill out because I've had a bad week. So if they know, they'll give me a wee private message, how are you the day? And I'll go, blah, 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 blah. And then say, I'm okay now, I'm down here chilling out. So it's good, there's just that little touch base with everyone to get on with. And Arne's the same here at the White Shed with us as well, with, with Blazing Needles, because we're primarily started, sorry, I'm coming up with your spiel. We're primarily started by a mental health nurse, Grace Main, and she She's an occupational therapist. Yeah, occupational therapist. She recognised that there was a need for a support group for mental health in general. Mm-hmm. And we're just up here knitting and nuttering. Um, we do put the world to right as well. Um, we go out on trips, we go on boat trips on the canal. We do lots of and different things. Um, the Royal Union was done by Blazing Needles yeah. for the mental health festival. Uh, I love that. I love that. All holding hands. Thank you. <laughs> we all had we had, we had yeah. a, a woman come up and help us with it. <laughs> and uh, oh she was great fun. She came all the way from Edinburgh <laughs> to teach us how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some but I say we just have a good response from it and that and we had good fun. And And this I gather is quite difficult to do with a um, you know the layering sort of thing you've got going on no. with a different Well no? because we're both felters <laughs> now we we got taught by well I is an artist. She's an absolute gem of a woman and she tickled her energies to come out enthusiasm to come and do felting. So um you specialise in flowers. I like flowers. And I like doing little pictures. Mm-hmm. And that. But we do like the stabbing motion that you do get with it. It's yes, quite, it's quite therapeutic. <laughs> and that. But yes, getting back to the layering, you have to layer it one way, vertical and then horizontal, in layers, so that you can actually make it uh, go together when you're actually felting it together. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it says very therapeutic mm. for people to do. As my says, a stabbing motion. If you're if you're needle felting, it's a stabbing motion. That was a wet felting. That most well, a lot of it was wet felting. Yeah. There is some needle felting on it as well. But yeah, it's, it definitely grabs your your eyes go straight for that when mm-hmm. you when you walk in. My colleagues noticed it as well, and we're mm-hmm. over it was that, that but yeah, uh, Catherine had to take it down because because of all the other ah. nice work, artwork as well, um, and it looks quite good down. Yeah, it still looks grand. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other thing I was. I would say that there's lots of people, lots of therapeutic things go on. Uh, there's blazing needles and the and the men's shed as well. The other thing that we do, we've got an art group on a Sunday. That which well, it's once a month on a Sunday, and we're really excited now because we've got an artist came in and offered 
to come and join the art group who's a nutshell she's a nutshell artist we did it's the group started with a again from new craigs a, with an art therapist called ross hill who who came along and she used to do it at eden court unfortunately the numbers weren't big enough for eden court and so we said right come down to the bright shed we're, we're very welcoming you know, everybody's welcome and everybody's welcome in the bike shed, which is very important. That doesn't matter what, you're ve- you're welcome. Anyway, Ross wasn't keeping well and she decided she wanted to give a tap. So we haven't had an art therapist for a while. But we're very excited because this new lady's come along and said she's going to help run the art. Before we close up on our coverage of the Highlands region, we'd just like to read out a couple of statements which were submitted to us by members of, of these groups via Joanna Higgs, who is a hug development worker, and she kindly reached out to, to members of, of her organisation to, to tell us a little bit about what visual arts meant to them. The first one is from Fraser Reed, who is a Hug Action for Mental Health member. He's an active <coughs> member working to challenge stigma and to influence change in services for people with mental illness. And he's been a strong support in, the, in a, their audiences at SMAF at the Highland events this year. He submitted a statement which tells us a little bit about the arts exhibition which was at Eden Court, which is now being moved to the bike shed, and the films that were shown at a gathering event at Eden Court, including the film Hand to Hand, which was put together by Befrienders Highland and Hug. And so Fraser said, It said a picture tells a thousand words. Looking at artwork outside Eden Court One Touch Theatre before SMAF's Highland Gathering, this often glib phrase came to mind. Except in this case, it was not merely a trite saying but real evidence of the power of visual arts to make one stop and think and to perhaps re-evaluate. All work shown gave a powerful insight into the originator's psyche. I was also struck by the searing honesty of a number of the video contributions that I viewed. In an age of vapid, my perfect life social media, the straight to the smartphone camera brought home the reality of the episodes of fragility that is part of the human condition but also the resilience of the human spirit and hope for the future. Message received and delivered loud and clear. And I think that's lovely. It really does echo what we've said about our experience seeing the art as well, doesn't Mm. it? It really ties it up nicely. Our second statement comes from Alan Biffle, who is an active member of HUG and was very busy during SMAF shooting and editing the film Hand to Hand and writing pieces for their short writings booklet, Reclaim, an anthology. And he said... Living, laughing, learning, sharing, and giving a black dog a darn good kicking. Smaff, the first time for me, has been a whirlwind, up and down the A9 like a yo-yo, discovering new places and meeting new faces, learning to shoot and edit video. Twelve minutes of video took many hours behind the wheel and even more staring at a computer screen. The important thing, though, was meeting the people, great people, all rising above themselves to give to others creating a single message in lots of different ways and shouting it loud and clear. I am me, not my condition. Very strong words. Yeah, very. And and very very, correct, really. And again, it ties back to what we said about how that's a key theme that really was coming through the art there, where people are using the art to say they are not defined by what their diagnosis is. And I think that's such an important message to get across, isn't it? And also a nod to the collaboration aspect of things, you know, getting together with new people. 
which is a, the enti- entirely the spirit of the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival, isn't it? And something we've mentioned, I think, in all the podcasts, but really the community spirit that surrounds that festival is quite unlike anything else. So, no, lovely. So thank you to Joanna for sending these along to us and thank you to Alan and Fraser for, for sending those along. The final venue we we visited that's part of this podcast was Summer Hall, which is a beautiful arts venue in the centre of Edinburgh, which houses all sorts of art all year round. But primarily we're going to focus on two things. So the first one we'll look at is Doobie Day, which was an interpretive dance performance put together by C&O Dance, which is made up of Claire Pritchard and Olga Kay. And they are collaborative dance practice partners. And effectively, what they did was they put together a a performance piece that looked to explore the relationship between the experience of depression and one's bed. And whether bed is a cosy, safe place, a safe haven, or whether it is a restrictive, imprisoning force. And they did this, as we said, through the medium of interpretive dance, with very minimal props. They did have... Blankets and a couple of pillows. Yeah, and, it did. And um, we kind of explored that relationship through through those, but it was quite minimalist in its form and a really intimate setting. Yeah. Um, and the second that we'll look at was the Out of Sight, Out of Mind exhibition, which looked at visual arts. Um, across the whole of Summer Hall, really, it took it it took it over, and these were pieces of art that had been put together by a whole host of different organisation service users, different project groups. There were even posters that had been put together which were for a university mental health and wellbeing campaign, kind of looking at how art can be used to to get people to engage with serious issues mm-hmm. and, and how we can raise the profile of the cause by things like posters, which are still visual art, but yeah. if you walk past mm. a poster in everyday life you might not necessarily consider it to be visual art but it very much is and there's so much work that that goes into that and also visual art that was looking to challenge cliches so there was one particular portion of the exhibition that was called no head clutching please and it was looking at how we challenge those very stereotypical graphical representations of mental illness where we see a kind of like egg figure clutching clutching mm-hmm. hands yeah. round 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 the head and you know it's we've all seen it and it's time for those kind of cliched images and that misunderstanding of mental health in general it kind of minimizes it doesn't it It, it's it's terrible as an image in many ways but not least because it's a cliche and that was looking at how we can represent mental health in a way that's a bit different to that so will we start with duvet day and what we saw and we experienced while we were there i'll let you start and then I'll add in. I think one of the one of the bits of Duvet Day that still, you know, resonates with me, and I can still remember very vividly, despite the fact this was a couple of weeks ago now, was there's a scene where one of the performers is almost writhing in the in the blanket, mm-hmm. and then beginning to rise up, and beginning mm-hmm. to get up, and it's almost like beginning to find strength. Mm-hmm. And from out of nowhere, you're seeing pillows getting flung mm-hmm. at, at this performer from from out in the wings. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a very obvious, you know, okay, you're trying, but I'm going to keep you here. The, basically, the bed mm-hmm. is now attacking her mm-hmm. and keeping her down mm-hmm. and keeping her energy levels, you know, 
dwarfed. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting. And I think the kind of ambience that was set in the room, it was like a sympathetic setting. Mm-hmm. It almost made you experience what they were trying to get across because the room, I think it was probably on purpose, the room was made to be very warm. Mm-hmm. The It was very, very dark. <clears throat> you couldn't see very much. And what you were seeing was so calming and not even necessarily calm, but because it was so restricted in what you were seeing, you were just seeing two people effectively and two kind of white objects. It was very, you felt quite sedated and quite, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, felt, I felt myself feeling that, that tiredness, that exhaustion yeah. while I was there. Not because I wasn't enjoying the art, but because... They wanted you to wanted, feel that way. They wanted yeah, you to feel that way and they definitely. wanted you to feel kind of empathy with what they what they had experienced. The music as well yeah, definitely added to that. Definitely added to that. Well and, chosen. Yeah, um, very well choreographed just in yeah. general, I think. Um, but what was also interesting about this was that you got some insight into their artistic process too. So there was the performance, which mm-hmm. we've spoken a little bit about, but then there was also a Q&A afterwards. And one lady actually mentioned what I mentioned about feeling that lethargic way when you were there because of the kind of the ambience in the room um, but we also saw some questions arise about their artistic process and how they got to where they were with this show and one thing I found particularly or I shouldn't say show because it's going through their personal experience mm. what we should mention is both women had their own lived experience of depression and so chose to to channel their communication of it through this interpretive dance um, but one thing we got insight into was the fact that every week, regardless of how they feel, they've got a commitment to perform together. And they video it every week. Yeah. And they review it. And they look back and they kind of plot their own mood states um, against what they see in their performance. And they kind of see how their mood state is mapped out in their physicality and the, the different ways they perform together. And I think that's really fascinating because... It reminds us again that mental illness is one, on a par with physical illness, but two, there are physical effects of Mm. mental illness too, in terms of how it makes you feel bodily and how your body performs. And, you know, I thought that was really interesting, not just about how that informs their creative process, but about what that's saying about mental illness at large. From there we visited Out of Sight, Out of Mind, which is the title of the Visual Arts exhibition at Summerhall which was a sprawling exhibition. It certainly was. It took over the whole building. It really did. Up downstairs, up on different floors. More physical exercise than Ian and I ever get, really. Yeah. Well, (laughs) since Ben Nevis. Since Ben Nevis. By the way, we should mention that. Yes. Ian and I did, in fact, climb Ben Nevis. It's the first and last time it'll happen, so may as well give it due mention. Anyway, yes, a very sprawling exhibition. Summerhall is often referred to as Edinburgh's Ben Nevis. Is it in yeah, fact? Yeah. Is it actually? It is now. It is. It is now. <laughs> but yeah, it took over several rooms and corridors and staircases and it had several, many striking and very interesting pieces, um, including a couple of exhibits that were entire rooms, mm-hmm. which had been dedicated to a piece. Uh, very interesting curation to kind of take yeah. up a whole room dedicated to a piece and there clearly had been a lot of work put in to think about how things were um, capsuled. It almost felt like there were yeah. little capsules that kind of made you feel a mood or made you feel... Yeah, I think it was very interestingly put together. Yeah, there was there was one whole room 
uh, basically the exhibition was, in a nutshell, 2016 Must Die. Yes. Uh, so obviously many dear entertainers and musicians and actors sadly departed if they did in 2016 but beyond that it was it was also more of a a political statement to be honest Mm -hmm. and really captured what is generally speaking the mood of a nation yes yeah um, which wasn't pretty but it wasn't pretty but it really resonated yeah certainly it It was really effective and it it shows you how how evocative just looking at something can be there wasn't any speaking, there weren't any moving images. It was just just looking at that static picture that was so stark. Yeah. About all the things <clears throat> that went disastrously wrong in 2016. Well, everything did. It, so everything. There was yeah. a lot of scope for this exhibit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, it absolutely made the best. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely made the best of that. Yeah. I mean, the whole, to be fair, the whole lower ground floor could have been 2016. Must You're I. quite right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, as we've previously mentioned, there was such a wealth of art, and a lot of it was dealing with those key themes that we mentioned at the very beginning, looking at um, entrapment, escapism, crisis, recovery, growth, growth, medication, the full spectrum of of experiencing a mental illness, I think. Um, And there was no place that covered that in such a... We say it was really sprawling, but in fairness, it was in one place, and it was one unitary venue that was dealing with absolutely all of that in in one space so no it was it was great um but it was quite overwhelming actually there was just so much yeah it was a lot to take in it was, a lot to it take was in. and after we'd seen duvet day and we came away from that and straight straight into the art but mm-hmm. yeah very good and that was where our visual arts journey ended and unfortunately while we're talking of endings this is don't do it don't do it. I'm sorry, I have to do it. I have to do it. All things must end. <laughs> um, but this is the end of our short podcast series, Talking Over, with us from Support and Mind Scotland. We'd just like to say a huge thanks and just express our massive appreciation to those of you who've tuned in. Bless you. I am. Um... Really, bless you. <laughs> I don't know how you've done it. <laughs> no, I'm not sure either. Um, and also, um, again, I. A massive, massive amount of gratitude to to those who took time out of their day, in very busy days. Everybody that we've spoken to, um, to to take the time to tell us about what SMAF meant for them, yeah, and some, to talk some really interesting people as well. Yeah, we really met some yeah. some really fab folk it's along the way. It's been a pleasure. So it has it has been a pleasure, and we hope it has been a pleasure for you too. We will be back in 2018 Yay. to cover the woo. You won't have to do without us for too long. Um, to cover the next festival. We cannot believe that it's so far through the year already. It'll be no time in coming around, so you won't have too much time to to miss us. But thank you again for your time, and that's over and out, really. So thank you, and goodbye. Goodbye.